Neo, ahoy, hoy. I don't know how to do these intros for this one. We never came up with anything, but what's up, Neo Noiros? It's out of the podcast nights once again. Neo Noir Vember, episode three, chapter three. After dark. After dark. The darkening of after the afterlife. Yeah. The afterness. Welcome to the show. Welcome. I got a uh, criminal Dan here with me. I'm a criminal now? Yeah, we're, we're all criminals on, a, on an episode like today. Yeah. I should think, I should hope, if we're making the crew happy. Yeah, that's true. That's why we're I here. I just realized I was talking to you before this whole time. I didn't even set up <laughs> my screen with all this information. So <laughs> let me drag and drop, everybody. Well, I can take a moment to, uh, to mention that. I'm already something... done, but that's fine. Please mention. Well, something film noir related uh, showed up in the mail finally. I, I pre-ordered it a while ago, and I think we talked about it. It's the, uh, the Bitter Stems, uh, Los Tallos Amargos, which uh, the Film Noir Foundation um, recently uh, restored at UCLA. Um, I actually saw it on Noir Alley a while back, and I loved it. It's from Argentina. Uh, it came out in 1956. And it's actually, I think they said that it, it won a bunch of awards, and one of it is it's number 49 on its roster of the 100 best photograph films of all time, hmm. which is pretty, yeah, and it is. I mean, it looks great. Um, it's such a weird bizarre movie but it, it was great i was really taken by it and that and that's why I went, once they mentioned that they were going to come out with a physical blu-ray release i was like well i got to jump on that so i'm looking forward to watching that but i would i thought i'd give it a shout out here that if if you're into film noir here I'm the neo-noir episode yes i yes. i well i was just you know i was looking forward to it because you know this is my opportunity to talk about it because dan we, it we're never we're not trying to dampen any excitement we will take all that we could get yes film Please. noir related I should hope so. That's why we're here. But what else are we going to talk about? I mean, believe me, am I going to say that Martin is now on HBO Max? I yeah, mean, but you could say but, that. But and Nathan, for you as well. Yes. That was on Hulu, though. So I wasn't missing it. But no but Martin commercials is, now. For, Martin for has been nowhere. Oh, you have commercial Hulu, Dan? I have commercial Hulu, yeah. I'm so sorry to hear that. I think I lasted like a month before I was just driven crazy. I can't stand ads if I can help them. Oh, same. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely not advocating it. It was just cheaper. And, and now at this point, like, to be honest, like everything that I liked about Hulu is kind of jump ship. So I, I don't know how much longer I'm going to, I'm going to keep it to be honest. Well, that's what's been so crazy with like every business starting their own streaming service. It's yeah. just like everything's splintered off. So there's very little left. Right. And, and shows are getting better deals from other, you know, they're, they're going to other platforms and stuff like that. So it's There's just... still good stuff on Hulu, though. I mean, for one, they got King of the Hill. That's all you need. But it's true. They also they have the deal with FX where they have mm. stuff show up the next day. That, that's been pretty worthwhile. That's cool. I, I, it's definitely an HBO Max world. That we're yeah. I mean, they've they've been doing a great job. Um, I was or just saying... Criterion Channel, which dropped the fucking hammer this month. They got like 30 Mitchum movies. And they got Fox Noir. They got, you guys want to stream Nightmare Alley? That's up there this month. A lot of good stuff. Yeah, quite a month, especially for, for you. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. I've Lots seen of most of the Mitchums, but there is some, some, some stuff I've missed. So. Some Mitchum gems. Yes, some Westerns I'm looking forward to. Cool. A lot of older Mitchum, old man Mitchum. So it is the duality of, you know, either he's on a horse or he's not on a horse. Exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> what so, you got? I was going to say, speaking of HBO Max, I, uh, I watched another HBO Max show that you recommended, uh, How To With John Wilson. <laughs> oh, um, boy, here we go. And I, I mean, I loved it. And what was funny is I, I was thinking about the show and I, and I was thinking about like, 
the vibe of it. And then obviously learning about it, how it was, you know, executive produced by Nathan Fielder, which makes a ton of sense. And then I saw actually a familiar name is my friend, Brendan uh, is a producer on the show. And I didn't, and I didn't realize it. Yeah. He was the the singer of everyone everywhere, a Philly based band that, that by surprise my band played with all the time. And he, he kind of, when that band kind of broke up, he kind of went more into the film direction. But uh, yeah, I noticed his name. I'm like, wait, it's Brendan. Uh, and I was like, that's cool. And it makes a lot of sense too. Cause, cause you know, he's, he's a really funny guy too. So I, I and he also worked on good time as well. Oh, wow. Yeah. And uh, he worked on a, a Noah Baumbach film. He's worked on quite a bit of stuff. Um, but yeah, so like I thought he should was, be on the show for an episode. Yeah. He's a huge film guy. Uh, that's, that's something that he and I always connect on. Anytime we played a show, that's something, you know, he, he lived in New York for a while and I would always ask him if he'd been to the film forum, like what is, what he's seen, you know, stuff like that, catching up. Yeah, I haven't talked to him in a while, but yeah, I, I think that'd be interesting. That Got a good icebreaker. Say, hey, saw the show? Come on mine. Yeah, Everybody's I'm, I'm, putting stuff out. I'm, I'm sure he would consider it. But you liked it. You I did, it. I did. Yeah, yeah I, I really did. Um, They're unique. Yeah, I, I like the narration and the very, like, matter-of-fact way of, like, approaching things, but it's obviously funny. Um, yes. And... Yeah, it was great. I, I really scaffolding. It. Learned learned a lot about scaffolding. Huh? Scaffolding one was good. The, the the one that really like it, tripped me out was the Mandela effect one. Oh yeah, Absolutely. that one tripped me out because like I, I started like I started kind of panicking because I was thinking about like showing some of like the products and stuff like that they're talking about and it started tripping my mind. So that one sounds was, like you should go to that convention. Yeah, I was gonna say. I mean that that convention in Idaho. Um, you're yeah. kind of people. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was interesting, but yeah, it was a good show. I enjoyed it. And are they doing a second season of that? Yeah, coming at the end of the month. Okay, cool. You get to, you get to take a nice breather and then get right back to it. Is that coming Hopefully on it's HBO longer Max? too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, okay. It's their, their show. Right. Um, yeah, hopefully it'll be longer because it seemed like it got cut off due to the pandemic last time. Yeah, I mean, the last episode kind of The last started. episode, yeah. It, it, it was, that was interesting to see like, to go back and, and I see like I know. the very beginnings of it and like seeing people's reaction to it. And, you know, now knowing what we know, uh, it was what a documentary this is going to be someday, huh? Yes, exactly. Quite a, quite a document, but yeah, I, enjoy, I enjoyed it. I liked it. It was a quick oh. watch. I don't know if I have any other recommendations for you at the moment. I'll have to think about it. Yeah. I've got a couple of shows I'm, I'm backed up on that. Other, like friends have, have recommended to me that I just haven't watched yet. So I'll probably catch up and, as we were talking Thank- beforehand, I got some movies to catch up on. So Thank you for jumping me up on the list. My oh, suggestions. I appreciate that. You're always high on the list. I, 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 never, I, never, I never said you were... I like to think that's why list. we're here, right? Yeah, the trust. exactly. Yeah. No, I, I, you've, you've always had good recommendations. I don't know. Southland, like Southland Tales, I don't know. <laughs> but <laughs> that is the else. best recommendation I could ever give a person. Come on. Yeah. You know where I come from on Southland Tales. I do know. That's, that's why I brought it up. Yes. It was just in jest. That's our April Fool's episode. <laughs> That'd be quite an episode. <laughs> we could start a side podcast just. I was going to say, that would be, that'd be a long episode. Yeah. <laughs> that'd I be mean, like a four hour episode. I think we'd have to work on that like over the years because I'm still processing that film. Yeah. I <laughs> think I am too. I feel like I need to watch it again. Uh, yeah. It was, Try the other cut. Yeah. It was At an odyssey. It was an odyssey. I, I... Wow. Well, speaking, speaking of odysseys. Of odysseys yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the show, Thief. You ready to talk Thief? I'm ready to talk about arguably one of the coolest movies I've ever seen. 
And I've seen it so yeah. many times, Dan. In fact, so many times that I was, I'd seen it like in under a year ago. Mm-hmm. I remember actually when I la- had quit my last job and was working the last day. When I left, I put on the final song from Thief. Oh. Because because I, I find that a good closing song. It felt yeah. like the closing of a chapter and like I had just uh, walked away from a firefight. I like so, that. Great it, guitar it, riffing going on oh, in that song. It's the greatest. But yeah, so I've seen this so many times. You know, I, I did something a little different this episode. I just went commentary on it. Oh, okay. You know, I was like, I know this thing pretty well inside and out. Let's see what the boys have to say. They got Michael Mann on the track. You also got James Caan. Commentary review? It's all right. <laughs> I've been listening to a lot of crappy commentaries lately. Not crappy, but just... Underwhelming. I, underwhelming is exactly it. I listened to the Conan the Barbarian commentary the other night which had Arnold Schwarzenegger on it and the director and they're just like watching the movie and talking about what happens which is actually pretty much this one as well yeah I I would say worth it you know it's like I want to hear about stuff going on behind the scenes or interesting absolutely you know I will say though if you had to cast roles of this show and and the thief commentary I'm James Caan and you're Michael Mann okay I feel like we bring the same energy okay bring yeah interesting but we're, I think we might be a little better. But let's find out. Let's see if we could do it. We'll see. Can we top the Thief commentary track? I don't know. I will I say that either. when you go to IMDb for fun facts, it's 90% of that commentary track. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm starting to learn that about things. <laughs> People don't somewhere. know shit. They just take it right from the commentary. Like, oh, did you know? It's like, yeah, I heard it. We yeah. all heard it. But hey, welcome to the show. We're stealing jewels. We're in Thief. This is a debut film. One thing I found very interesting, Dan, with all these movies we've been doing, a lot of debuts. It's the, the running theme. I think we'll break that with next week's episode, but up until that point, there's always been a little, some fresh fate, uh, some, some <laughs> evergreen tangerines, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. I mean, out of the gate, this is a pretty good, pretty good starter, I'd say, <laughs> for Michael Mann. It's, it's a phenomenal one. And something yeah. I wanted to talk about, too, you know, because... This is out of the podcast nights. It's Neo Noir Vember. We're a little loose with the format this time. We've all seen Thief, I would think. <laughs> you should. If you haven't I seen hope. Thief, go watch Thief. But yeah, a couple of things I want to talk about is Michael Mann, his filmography, as well as Tangerine Dream, who does the soundtrack to this one. It's a phenomenal soundtrack, like we were saying. It's, mm. I rank it pretty high in their soundtracks, but they've done some great ones. So I just want to kind of talk about these things and your your history. What was the first Michael Mann film you remember seeing? I'm trying to think. I can tell you mine. It, was it Last might of be the Mohegans. Thief. Oh, it wow. Might be okay. thief. Yeah. I remember Last of the Mohegans. It came out in 92. That was a really big deal. I remember the family enjoyed it. So I do remember that one. I remember that coming out. I don't remember if I saw it. I don't think I did when I came out. I remember it being out. Like, I remember, I think there was like a, a giant huge deal. There was like a huge like poster in the West Coast video, the, the video <laughs> rental place that we went to. Uh, I, I think I remember that for some reason, um, that there was a giant like cardboard cutout like of that. Daniel Day-Lewis running. Yeah. Is that, either this one or Heat were one of the first ones I saw. I think it might be Thief though. I think, he, yeah. I did not see until much later. Pa- it kind of passed me at 95. I was doing other things in 1995. Seeing other Val Kilmer movies. <laughs> Batman Forever. <laughs> Batman Forever. I mean, I love Val Kilmer by this point. I mean, beyond that, but eventually got to heat. But yeah, I mean, just great filmmaker. I, I don't necessarily enjoy like the newer stuff. I probably drop off around like Insider. Mm-hmm. 
And the Miami Vice movie's okay. I, mm. I think it's it, it had a bad rap at the time. I know it's getting reevaluated. I, I don't think it's worth necessarily that, but it's it's definitely better than you would think. Mm-hmm. But yeah, anything after that, Ali didn't really do it for me. Yeah, but, I, really, I haven't really seen a lot of his movies. I'll be honest. So like, I, I'm like, I know, I know, you know, he the ones that he directed, but I I didn't see a lot of them. Well, let's do the run, Ellen. We know you've seen Thief. Otherwise, mm-hmm. Dan, we should not be recording today. Yeah. Uh, the Keep. Have you seen The Keep? I have not. No. The Keep also has a Tangerine Dream soundtrack. It's mm-hmm. cool. I think there was some issues with the editing bay and things, but there's some really like cool, creepy imaging. It's a weird follow-up to Thief, though. <laughs> and then after that is Manhunter. You've seen Manhunter, I should hope. So I've actually only seen parts of it. I've never seen it all the way through. Dan, I almost should say we should cancel this episode right now. Go see Manhunter. Manhunter is my favorite. It's uh-huh. one of my all-time favorites. It's just incredible. It's mm-hmm. can't recommend it enough. Uh, we got William Peterson, who's going to make an appearance in this film we're talking about today, too. Yes. As we're saying, a lot of debuts of some heavy hitters in this one. I mean, come on, Jim Belushi. It's, yep. That's why we're here. Then you got yeah, Mohegans. You've seen Heat. Mm-hmm. Did you see The Insider? Remember that one? No, I didn't see that. You don't need to see that. Uh, Ali, did you see Ali? No. You don't need to see that. Collateral, remember Collateral? I remember it. I don't think I saw it. It was okay. I would say it's probably the best of that era of those films, but... Mm-hmm. It, you don't need to see that. Miami Vice? Do you, have you seen the show Miami Vice? Uh, the 80s show? Yeah, I've seen that before. Have you seen all of it or just parts? No, of it? just parts, yeah. Good stuff. Michael Mann involved with that, of course, but not until the seventh or eighth episode he finally comes in. And oh, really? Takes over as showrunner, yeah. He, he, had another of- show, he had another show in the 80s called Crime Story with Dennis Farina. Crime Story I was about to get into is one of the greatest shows of the 80s. The uh-huh. season one finale is one of the most batshit finales of all time. I dare not spoil it, but it, mm-hmm. it, it needs to be seen. But it's a really cool show. Um, there's actually a lot of elements of Thief. Like this, this story that he's been doing, like he's kind of redone. I mean, between Thief, Crime Story, and Heat, it's a lot of this like Chicago crime. Crime Story is a little more like the history of it, but... Mm-hmm. It, it's definitely a story he's told time and time again. I believe even on Miami Vice, like it dipped into it as well. Hmm. But yeah, I definitely want to check that out. Very good. Del Shannon Runaway is the theme song. I mean, that's fantastic. Gonna get you song. hype on every episode yeah. ever. And it stars Dennis Farina. He, yeah. he's, he's just awesome. But check out Crime Story. Get a very cheap, complete series on DVD for like under $20. Mm-hmm. Maybe, it'll, maybe it'll hit a blue someday. That's a good time. Yeah, and then as far as Tangerine Dream, what do you think the first movie you saw that was soundtracked by them? Because they're definitely the like first soundtrack, I guess, band more so than like you know like a composer, mm-hmm. so like that. I really question. noticed. I'm trying to think of other ones that they've scored. So you got their first one was Sorcerer. Have you seen Sorcerer from '77? That's like the remake of Wages of Fear, right? Yes. I haven't seen that. I've, I've seen Wages of Fear, but I, and I knew that that was like kind of like the remake of it, but I haven't seen it now. Add that to the list of, oh my God, this is like the most essential movie ever. It's, mm-hmm. it's amazing. And then they did Thief, which is mm-hmm. a great follow-up. Uh, then you got some, a German movie. Yeah, Risky Business. Uh, that mm-hmm. would probably be the first, I remember like seeing scenes, but not necessarily the movie because pretty adult in retrospect you know just because tom cruise is in his underpants doesn't mean suitable <laughs> for children yeah fire starter mm-hmm. legend yes i've seen legend yeah legend might have also maybe been the first one too but they i don't know actually if we had 
that score because it wasn't available in the United States on, on release until much, much later. Hmm. They have a weird, different score for us that's just not as good. But you can get it now. It was hard to get, but the, the Blu-ray does have both cuts. Hmm. Near Dark, of course, you know, I'm, I'm repping Miracle Mile. Mm-hmm. That's oh, yeah, about Miracle, it for, like, yeah, the Miracle big Miracle Mile's good, yeah. Yeah, they, they, I mean, that's a great one. I always am afraid to talk about Miracle Mile because it's just all spoilers. Yeah. I also just constantly want to gush about it. But let's gush a little bit about Thief. Uh, I, I, this one I had not seen until, yeah, probably around when the Criterion had come out. I'd heard about it. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was when I was getting into noir and neo-noir. It was a, a much-hyped film, deservedly so. Mm-hmm. And it just blew me away. I mean, it's it's definitely like a Michael Mann film. He comes in very confident. It's got his cinematography, which is just one of a kind. and Neon and... Neon, yeah. Great, yeah. But the thing that makes his stuff special too is i don't know there's just like a humanity to his characters that oh yeah that just really you know because this is like a it's not like a new story it's not breaking new ground in that sense but it's just how it's told and executed i mean that's what's fascinating about both neo and (laughs) old noir i mean yeah i mean the the premise is very you know old school tale of this time yeah even like you know I was, it makes me think of like Jean-Pierre Melville, like all his movies right. in, in the 60s and 70s and stuff like that, like Le Cirque Rouge and even, you know, Fifi and, and, you know, Samurai. Like it's all influenced by that. And a lot of it's the same stuff, but, you know, set in the early 80s. And mm-hmm. you got James Caan with like one of my favorite, maybe my favorite performance that he's ever done. Like I think he's I would say amazing so. in this movie. He thinks so too. He's very yeah. fond of this this role. Other than The Godfather, it's his favorite. I mean, I yeah. would be. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He does a great job. I don't. I don't think it works without him. He does make it special. He adds that kind of New York tough guyness to it. Like he seems legit. He's just so tough. Like at certain moments where you're just like, you do not want to mess with this guy. Like you get that sense throughout the film, but there's just little moments when he's interacting with people. You're like. Yeah, I don't want to mess with this dude. Like, there, there was one scene I was hearing on the commentary where like, he had to be angry at someone. and He just got off a bad phone call. Mm-hmm. And so he was very easily able to bring it. And like the actor was just like, oh my God, like totally scared. And scared, yeah. Yeah, I don't I want James Conn. I mean, we, we should get Scott Conn on the show and see what uh, he has to say about getting yelled at by James Conn. <laughs> or do you think James Conn on? No, nah, I want Scott Conn. Okay. End of tweet. Have you seen so those? Oh, I know. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm aware. <laughs> it's amazing. I love it. I like James Caan. Uh, I know politically we don't really disagree, but I, he's mm. not scummy about it like a lot of people no. are. He's very casual. You know, we should all just really not talk about our politics if we can. I mean, yeah, Rollerball, Killer Elite, he's great in. It's Peck and yes. Paw. Yeah, just a bunch. He's, he's, and, and a movie that we covered, Dick Tracy. He was Spud Spladoni oh in it. That's right, yeah. Yep. He's, he's got a he's, lot of makeup on, but he's, he's there. He's great in that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm always happy to see a James Caan. He's, yeah. he's a good time. What do you think of Jim Belushi in this role, his debut role? He's good. I mean, you know, you would think, you know, I think in general, you, when you think of him, you think of comedy, obviously. But uh, in general. I mean, um, he is a bit of a comedic role. I mean, he's not yeah. like over the top, but he's definitely like Jim Belushi about it. Yeah, he's a little bit, has a little bit of like the, I think takes a little bit of the, uh, the, the heaviness, I think, off of, and the seriousness off a little bit, takes a little bit of the edge off. But no, I think he's good. I, I like him as his partner. It's an interesting this is his best role. It, he, there's, there's a 
confidence that's missing from him. He's just not that cocky Jim Belushi yet. Yeah. You know, he's not the guy that's on the set of Twin Peaks, The Return, telling like David Lynch, like, ah, can you believe this guy? (laughs) You ever see that clip? I have not seen that clip. He's definitely just like, what's this guy? This real weirdo, huh? Can you believe it? David Lynch is just so just like, I don't do things like this. Like, fuck you, dude. (laughs) Yeah. He's like, why did I have you on the show? I mean, he's like there to be Jim Belushi, but it's just like, ah, oh, this is this is what you get, huh? Well, he and he was a lot younger than than them. I mean, I think he's like fourteen years younger than James Con or something. Like I believe he's, it. Yeah, he's considerably younger. What was interesting about this is you you wondering like, where does this line up with John Belushi? You know, did he come in after John Belushi? That's what it's always felt like. But this yeah. was actually well, this is actually being filmed at the same time as the Blues Brothers, mm-hmm. and so John Belushi was in Chicago while they were filming this. And so he was like partying with his brother. People were going to party with them. He set up a a little shack bar called the Blues Bar Mm -hmm. where people after filming would go to get uh, loosened up for like an hour. (laughs) You mean they didn't go to the Green Mile or whatever the the James Conn bar was? Yeah, which is a real bar too. But now I guess this was a little more fun. You're going for the the John Belushi party. That guy can party, huh? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Can't be denied. Yeah. But yeah, as far as the authenticity of this goes, it's very cool because they didn't use props. I mean, they're really drilling into these safes and they had so many criminal technical advisors. They had people in the movie that were, I mean, you get Dennis Farina in his debut role. As we said, he was still a cop while this was filming. Yeah. But it's funny because he plays uh, a criminal. Yeah. He's like a henchman, basically. He's a great henchman. He's great. I I like Dennis Farina. He's, he's He's in one of my favorite underrated movies, Striking Distance. Yeah, I, I can't believe for a second I'm like, what's it going to be? Uh, we could easily put together a compilation of how many times you brought up Striking Distance. Yeah, but I try to make it a point because it's a, it's a cinematic masterpiece, okay? <laughs> Directed by the director of Roadhouse, okay? Roadhouse 1948? I wish, no. <laughs> Roadhouse 1989. <laughs> uh, this also has John Santucci, who plays a, a cop, corrupt mm-hmm. cop but he actually was a real criminal himself mm-hmm. and yeah so first time actors so it's just funny that he michael mann like traded what him and farina actually were but then they both end up on crime story playing where they where they came from so yeah which is which is neat can't shout out crime story enough we got willie nelson in this love him in this he does a great job we He's need good. more we needed more willie nelson films yeah he was really good he felt right it was great to see him like at prison yeah <laughs> Where that hippie belongs, right there. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean that that scene is really good, though. I do like the scene where there's there across the glass in the in the the little room is really good. And he's part of uh, James Conn's family concept that he's trying to put together. You know, he's this is a classic picture. one last job. You know, he's finally found the woman. Tuesday Weld as Jesse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what do you think of that little collage picture that somehow was made into like a photograph? Weird, but interesting. I, I you know, we go to the coffee shop for that. No, I mean, he made that himself, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, in prison. Collaged it, collaged it collaged out. Collaged it yeah. in prison, yeah. His, 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 basically his vision board, right? Yeah. I mean, they didn't have cell phones or anything to, like, take a picture of it or anything like that. He's got to keep it in his wallet. It's in good condition. Yeah, I would say so. For being folded up in his wallet, it's pretty good. Probably doesn't take it out often because he just, you know, he visualizes it. Exactly, he doesn't dream. need to. He only needs to show special people in certain times. <laughs> Very special. Um, yeah, so we got Tuesday Weld as Jesse. Mm-hmm. What do you think of her? I thought she was good. It's interesting, just their interactions, like her, her just, you know, it's something I guess I didn't really pick on as much as 
the other times I've watched it is I guess maybe like I wasn't like as in tune with it, but just hearing about her past, I was really more in tune with that. Like when they were having that, that conversation and that, that really great shot in that diner that's like somehow like up, like elevated. Um, and they're yes. having dinner. She's talking about this, this past relationship she had with this 10 guy. 10 minutes like, in the diner. Yes. Where they're yes. like talking about how he was like a drug dealer and like basically left her stranded in Colombia and, you know, on her own and stuff like that. Just hearing how she always seems to fall in with these, these kind of criminal type guys, um, yeah. it, which was interesting. I guess I just never really, never really like, I was, I guess I was so focused on everything else. I wasn't really like paying too much attention to it. And I, you know, seeing it so many times, like you said, I, now, like for whatever reason, this, I was like way more in tune with it on this watch. Um, yeah. So I, I really kind of connected with that more. Now this is your first time seeing it as a reviewer, as a professional film critic. That's true. That is true. It's a bit, bit of a sharper lens, but yeah, I love that diner scene uh, as this James Conn. He says it's the best scene of his career. Uh-huh. It's, it's, it's very cool. I mean, there's that scene where like that part where he's trying to light the lighter. It doesn't work, which was real. Mm-hmm. It just, it feels very natural. Like, which is crazy because it is a 10 minute long scene. We're like in there after everything else is not moving necessarily quick, but you know, we're just moving things along. She makes a pretty quick decision to, to, to go with him. And then he makes a quick decision to immediately make the phone call to, to go in with, with uh, what's his name? The, uh, you talking about Leo? Leo. Yes. The guy, you know, Robert Prosky. Yeah. AKA the, the, the boss from Mrs. Doubtfire, <laughs> Mr. Lundy. <laughs> Dan, are you wearing lipstick? <laughs> i wish uh that was uh i love that movie the whole time yeah (laughs) a a tour de force uh performance by by robin pierce brosnan oh okay yeah by pierce brosnan too i i can't stand pierce brosnan in that movie he's he is the worst in that movie that's that's how you know he did a good job yeah he he really plays that well we misused pierce brosnan too much in in his peak period but i will say mrs doubtfire Well, yeah, well he's done. Great. Time for a sequel, right, Dan? Mrs. Doubtfire too. Yeah, Matthew Lawrence is probably ready to take on the the role, right? That would that would be interesting. When's the last time he acted in something? That's a good question. Imagine Thief with the Lawrence brothers. Whew. You got you got Joey as James Con. You got Andy as uh, Jim Belushi. <laughs> that would be Matthew is Willie Nelson. <laughs> I'm trying to I'm trying to look up now to see if he's done anything recently. He was. No way, he was in, he was in that movie Money Plane, oh, which, really? <laughs> which 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 I, I, if I remember correctly was they talked about on how did this get made. I'm pretty sure it's it's that one, but he was in, so Joey Lawrence is in it, Matthew Lawrence and Andrew Lawrence is he related? Yes, yeah, he yeah. Is. I, there was a, that show with the the Lawrence brothers. There was all three of them. Okay, brotherly love, brotherly love. Yes, that's where we first met little Andy Lawrence. I don't remember this show. It was on the WB. I don't know if it made it to the CW. It may have. Okay, so it was originally on NBC and then moved to the WB. Yeah. Oh, wow. It was one of those NBC just couldn't take it. Yeah. Like, like, here, you take it. (laughs) Wow. No, hey, man, it lasted uh, two seasons, so. I'm guessing one was the NBC season and then the other is the WB season. Yeah, I think so. Or did NBC right away was just like, we want nothing to do with this one. Yes. Yeah, the the second, the, the first episode of the second season yeah they mentioned that it was uh that was when it debuted on uh, the wb so yeah that, that is correct didn't think i'd be talking about this on an episode about thief but here we are didn't you though <laughs> if only i could have foreseen it 
But this this movie was also based off of a novel, The Home Invaders, which was written by Frank Homer, mm. uh, who was a professional thief himself, and he actually was in prison at the time of this movie's filming. Wow. So that must have been <laughs> something to tell people, huh? Yeah. But yeah, it, it's that, that definitely adds to the authenticity of it. You also, yeah, you get William Peterson popping up at a bar. Always a good time to see him until all of a sudden it's like CSI years, and then you're like, all right, I'm, I'm good on you. Yeah. I think it was CSI. I don't remember his show, but... He's good in this. I, I like him in a, in a small role. Yeah, exactly. He plays he's it well. Those, those big ones, too. You, you're going to love yourself some Manhunter, Dan. Yeah. Some Dan Hunter, right? Yes. <laughs> I'm going to have to hunt that movie down. You ever think about adding an extra N to your name? Extra N to my name? Yeah, Dan, just like really solid. Pronounce? Eh, yeah. Maybe. We'll see. All right. Put that on the docket. Yeah. From now on, when you hear me say Dan's name on the show, I'm using two N's. Okay. It's a silent N. No, no, it's there. I'm just, I'm staying on the N a little longer. Okay, you're hanging, hanging on the N. I'm okay with it. All right. What else you got to say about Thief, Dan? I was thinking about, I mean, I, I was going to ask you what your favorite scene is because I, I have, I feel like I have so many in this, but I, I think just the ending in general. I think that from, from, from start to it's finish perfect. of, for, from him literally just, I mean, literally and like figuratively burning his, his, his past life to the ground, basically, um, yeah. you know, severing ties with his wife and his adopted kid and, you know, burning down all of his, his front businesses and then going to Leo's house and literally just getting rid of everybody. Uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's such like a nihilistic ending and it, but it's amazing. Like all the explosions, the fire, like everything's so realistic. Him in the house is great. Like all of that. And it's so good and long. Ending. Yeah. And you get, and you get in that, Tangerine Dream song playing for like most of it and just it's just like building up it's really good yeah I would say that's my favorite scene I really also just enjoy like when he's out in the world I mean I love the diner scene I love when Mm -hmm. they're trying to adopt the kid and he's just like (laughs) oh yeah when he starts going back and forth with the the adoption agent yeah he's just like what's the deal here like I'm taking any kid like I'm trying to get a kid like I've been in the system I know what it's like what is the issue here yeah yeah there's just a lot. It, it's a, he's very funny in this. James Conn is a funny guy. Yeah. Uh, but it'll his, break your his, heart too. Yeah. His interactions with people and, and the, you know, the kind of abuse he takes from even like the, the, the cops and, and it, you know, obviously they're telling him. And then when they bring him into that scene where they're in that small little room in the police station and they're, they're basically just like completely beating the crap out of him. And he still yeah. just does not like, doesn't barely, you know, bat an eye. Like he's just like, he's still like <laughs> after taking a huge beat, he's still like, spewing out quips and stuff like that it's just it's it's ridiculous it's it's yeah it's just a great movie it's just it has it has everything you would want in like a good crime neo-noir thriller like it just has every every aspect that you would want i think in a movie it's there it's one of the best examples of it yeah and it's just it's a it's a grittiness i mean the closest director you can almost compare to to man is is ridley scott you know they were kind of coming up around the same time and yeah like almost cinematography wise, like they have a lot of the same flourishes, but there's always that kind of like sci-fi angle to Ridley Scott, which Michael Mann, other than the keep, like really never delved into. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what slightly elevates him to me. It's just, I don't know. He just got, he has like such a real eye that you can't, you just see him doing things that no one else is really doing. Oh yeah. There's definitely a, a, a really high sense of realism in his movies. And yeah, I, th- I think about that every time. Every time I watch this, I think of Blade Runner. I always think of that. Like, I just right. think of like how like a lot of the design just feels very similar to me. 
Absolutely. I mean, I, with the 80s, with those two, I don't know. They just were very neck and neck. Mm-hmm. I, I think ultimately it's Michael Mann because I enjoyed his TV work during that time. And mm-hmm. I don't know. There's just like a, a sense of tragedy, which is, you know, one of the things that appeals to me about neo-noir and noir, like that he's able to convey a little better. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's, he's more going for this genre than I would say Ridley Scott does. Yeah. Other than a couple times Black Rain, which we alluded to. Mm-hmm. on a previous episode but yeah i don't know it, it, it's just I, I i think as far as like crime films neo-noir there's a reason this one is always so highly spoken of and it, it is essential it's an essential criterion i mean it's a mm-hmm. gorgeous print i love the it's artwork. hard to fuck up this movie but yeah perfect packaging yeah you know me too like I, i'm a nitpicker i got nothing bad to say about this one it is a 10 out of 10 mm-hmm. it's such an experience and, and such a strong debut. It's very confident. And, you know, maybe a little more so it, it than, than Blood Simple was, which was just very confident. But it just felt like this had more of a budget and more like yeah. bigger actors. Right. I mean, you're also out of Texas and you're in Chicago. I mean, if you're filming in a city, you definitely got to know what you're doing because there's a lot of spinning plates that you need to keep in the air. But yeah, yeah. I mean, there's nothing like Thief. It, it's just, especially like the soundtrack. Try that first. Like they were envisioning like a Chicago blues kind of soundtrack, and you go to the blues bar, I and mean, you definitely hear a bit of that. Mm-hmm. But I mean, this Tangerine Dream score is just incredible, and it, it really just set the tone of like the eighties. I think. Yeah, and it, and it goes well with the the you know all the the scenes of them like actually like using all the different tools to to you know do these robberies and stuff like that. Like I feel like it just really adds this like extra weird like kind of put you in this almost dream state a little bit, you know, Tangerine Dream. Um, yeah. And it just puts you in this in this vibe, in this mood. And yeah, I think it, it does lend itself for sure. Yeah. And then, you know, even like we're in the diner for 10 minutes, the movie always is moving. Like it just, it, it never really stops or stays put for too long. Mm-hmm. You know, even though the, the length is a little long, but not terribly so. Like it, ne- you're never feeling it really. Like between the soundtrack and just the confidence of the edit and the director, you're you're just in for a great ride and an essential neo noir ride. Yeah, you're hanging you're hanging on the plot, like you're hanging on these characters, and and you want to see what's going on. You know, you yep. really you really get invested into it. Yeah, and that's it's a mark of a good movie. Like if if it's really dra- it's really drawing you in. It's yeah. just like every facet of it really has something to offer, from like the dialogue to the performances. I mean, just all around atmosphere. Yeah, atmosphere. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you could argue hashtag fog cast, but if you're in Chicago, I mean, it guarantees it. It's great. Watch Thief. I mean. Why didn't you watch Thief and listen to this episode? That's not good. <laughs> so you're saying you would recommend it? Is that nah, not, not this one. I oh, would okay. recommend it. Uh, would I recommend it before Manhunter? Maybe. Depends what kind of mood you're in. Mm-hmm. But you got to watch Manhunter. I mean, that mm-hmm. could have easily been an, an entry in this. It, it very well could be for next year. Mm-hmm. So yeah, watch Manhunter. Brian Cox is real big these days. You know, watch one of his best performances. Mm-hmm. The true Hannibal Lecter, phenomenal. Yeah, I I feel like I missed out because I know that Shot Factory did the release of it, but I think it's out of print now. It was an essential one, but hopefully we'll get like a 4K release. That's definitely one that would be an essential. Like I, I gotta have the best print of this. Yeah, it could it could happen. A lot of, a lot of stuff's coming out in 4K now. Is that what we're gonna do next year? Start conjuring 4Ks? <laughs> now that we. We pretty much conjured everything we wanted, and the only thing left is like, you know what? It better be a 4K at this point. Yeah, step it up. Go all in. 
Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. We will see. It's not the end of the year yet, Dan. We still have time to get our 4K and uh, our region-free players. I've been looking slowly. You got Definitely a Jawbox shirt on? I do, yes. Just noticed that. Well done, sir. I got that when I saw them. Also well done. One of the well, loudest bands I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I'm not surprised to hear that. I, kind of, I, kind of, I would hope so. Yeah, they were very loud. <laughs> you had earplugs, though, right? You were ready. I did, and I was. This was at Union Transfer, and, it had, and I, we were standing at the back balcony. So it's basically like the furthest back you could potentially be at this venue, and, in Philadelphia. In Philadelphia, and I, I remember walking out with my buddy, and he's like, he looked at me, I looked at him, and he's like, "Are your ears ringing?" And I was like, "Oh yeah, big time." And it's like, and we both, I think we both had earplugs. He's like, "Yeah." He's like, "My going crazy." Like I had them out, and I was still just like, "Wow!" Like buzzing, like really bad. <laughs> I'm like, "Wow!" Like that's. Pretty. I mean, I've seen some some loud bands in my day, but they like that was one that was like I thought they'd be pretty loud, but I didn't think they would be to the point where it's like wow, like this this, this decibel levels. Especially at Union Transfer, I don't find them to be a very loud venue. I always find them to no. be the, the, the Goldilocks of venues, if anything. But yeah, they found a way, huh? Yeah, and and I mean, I've seen My Bloody Valentine twice uh, live, and I mean, yeah, they're probably the I'd say the loudest band I've ever seen. Yeah, but I didn't find when we saw them, unbeknownst to us, <laughs> to each other. I didn't find that show that loud and I was ready for it. I remember they were handing out earplugs at the door. Mm. Like, I'm like, Oh my God, this is going to be nuts. And yeah, it was not that bad compared to other shows I've seen. The first time I saw them was at Rosalind ballroom when they first got back together. Cause we were like, we weren't sure if this was just like a one-off thing and that was it. So we we're like, we better get tickets and drive up. And yeah. uh, that was extremely loud. Like I, yeah. I remember there was, that makes sense. There was a girl in front of us that straight up just fainted. <laughs> like after a while like because like she just like collapsed because I, it was during the you made me realize like 20 minutes of of uh drone feedback and she just like i mean it felt like you were like literally in a jet engine like i mean dude half the reason it. to go see them is to just watch people's reactions during you made me realize like oh yeah because it just goes on for so long and everyone is just like i mean they push it and it, yeah. it, it is definitely once you're done with like watching them and enjoying it and you're like, okay, this is just droning. Yeah. Just look around you and have yourself a blast. Oh, you're going to yeah. see some unique reactions. It's, it's like otherworldly. It, it really is. Like, it's just like, you kind of, you kind of get outside yourself a little bit. Cause it's so, it is so loud, you know, and it's so, and it's just so like, it's just like an assault. You know what I mean? Like the pummeling. Like, yeah. yeah. Like pummels you like physically, you feel it like in your chest. It's uh, it's interesting. Um, you see so many people too, like trying to film it, waiting for when it kicks in, and they're just, yeah, it's just not happening. It almost be, feels like they're letting it go longer when they see those phones. And right, God bless you're, them for it. You're gonna be waiting a long time. <laughs> My loudest show, and also foggiest show, mm -hmm. you might like this was Sun. Okay, I believe that. I have never heard anything like it, and you could barely see in front of you. I don't know how this wasn't a hazard, mm -hmm. and they were in cloaks. I don't know. I, maybe they played more than one song. <laughs> <laughs> can't can't be sure. Can't be sure, but it was it was. I mean, I remember it. I, I could do a little bit of that stuff back in those days. Now now I'm getting a little older, and it's like, all right, come on, come yeah. on, guys. Yeah. When I worked at the record store back in my day, when you needed people to get out, I would put on Mertzbo. You know, Mertzbo. Mm -hmm. They had one album that was just like feedback. <laughs> And I remember putting that on and without a doubt, it would always work except for one time this guy was looking through every single piece of vinyl we had. And this was way before vinyl was like what it yeah, is now. Yeah. 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 You know, Fleetwood Mac having its own vinyl pressing plant in Texas, apparently big. 
and he just it wasn't working i had i relented eventually i was just like all right that's fine putting on beachwood sparks then well you, you know what's interesting and and we had a similar thing at the record store i worked at oddly enough and that's why when you were saying Love that story, it. It, it, it reminded me of that because yeah we our actual go-to was uh, i get wet by andrew wk because yes. if you put that on at a really high loud like especially the intro it, it clears the room, man. It's weird. Because, I mean, I, I like that record. I don't, have a, I don't have anything against that record. I don't think it's necessarily bad. Sure. But it just, whatever reason, we found, like, <laughs> at, through different testing, like, that album just works like a charm. Like, people would straight That's up That's what just, a record like, store is, is just, yeah. like, testing. You're just, you're doing yeah. experiments. What works? What What is going to yeah. sell instantly when you put it on? What's going to clear the room? Yeah. Because, I mean, great. Yeah, you get to that time where it's, like, two minutes before closing, and people are still just, like, taking their time and you're like you, you gave them the warning they're still in there it's like come on yeah, yeah. i, I want to go home you know and you're getting paid less than retail yeah basically yeah record store is definitely the classic like hey you want to work here right like do what it takes and boy if you're young enough that'll do to think of all the records i could have i mean I, I bought a lot of good records pretty cheap but to think of all the ones i passed on because like oh i'll get it later um yeah. and, and at the time because at the time same thing with you like same time like records were not that expensive or that big of a deal um yeah absolutely so, yeah like I, like we were kind of on the ground floor of that kind of resurgence or, or even before that yeah it was uh, where i worked in indianapolis they never really like gave up on it but it just was and and there was three locations and so like one had like a, a huge selection it was like a whole basement of vinyl mm-hmm. but i mean it was like i i just think of like the cds that we put money into and like the used cd section was so big and it's like I actually went and saw, went to the record store like a couple of years later and it was a whole different store. It was just like, and now it's just one location, mm-hmm. but it was all vinyl, barely any CDs, and just a real switcheroo. That's, that's part of the course though. I mean, that, that is the same thing with my store. It's like, you know, we, our vinyl was an afterthought. And, and for the longest time, when I first started there, it was in the back of the store. Like, and yeah. it was like, I yeah, think it was exactly. like dollar records, $2 records and $5 records. I think that was it. It was not on the new release wall, you know? Yeah, no, that, that it was like, exist. we, you know, Hey, we got a vinyl copy of it too, but that's, you got to go find it. It's maybe yeah. there was a vinyl, a new release section in the vinyl, but that's about it. Yeah, no, it was, it was very, very different. Um, and then I remember why, you know, the first record store day working that and I just, I literally yeah. like a couple months before had just left that job right before record store day. Yeah. So that, I, I worked right like before a, it all changed. I think I worked the first few, like three or four of them. You know what, though, Dan? I worked a Harry Potter release at Borders when I worked there. So, you know, it's pretty similar. I'm sure that was a fun time. It weirdly, like, what, it, was, it was very surreal, you know, yeah. because this was like a midnight release. This thing was lined up. I was going around pr- the building. Yeah. Someone prank called the store. This is when some character had died, the, the meme one. I, I'm not going to spoil it for anyone mm-hmm. on the show. Plus, I also don't remember. I'm not a huge fan. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I remember picking up the phone and they did that. I'm like, I, I don't care. <laughs> did they <laughs> yeah i know who that is but sure. it was weird you, you got to see something before giving it to people you had a real sense of uh, power yeah you know, it's kind of like getting a promo of a record before it comes out you know yeah bring it back full circle you know full circle back to thief of course can you of believe course. these are bonus episodes folks i Jeez. can't believe it <laughs> i fucking love thief it, you know especially if you're like I like these kinds of movies. It's an early one you put on for people. It's it's a sure thing. Watch Thief. Go get Thief. It's a Criterion sale right now. You got no excuse. It's, the time it's on to the get Criterion it. channel. Yeah, there's, it's everywhere if you want it. Well, I think that'll do it. I feel good about the digressions of this episode. 
it went into some turns. I think that's what it is. I think it's like, you know, if anything, people are probably just going to be, where, where is this, what, what random directions are we going to take this? The Neo November is so complicated, but because it's just like, what do we have to say new about Thief, you know? Like, yeah. What makes us special is we talk about the old movies that no one's really talking about, but mm. also it's just like, hey, friends, you know, come, come check out some little, some episodes that, some films we like and have a good time. I think next week is going to be fun for everyone because I think it's a little of the lesser knowns uh, as far as what we've covered so far. It's the only non-criterion. It's so non-criterion. It's like, there's no Blu-ray other than an import. So, you know, you, you just, uh, good luck to you on this one. I believe it's rentable though. Dan, you got a DVD copy of it. I hope it looks good. Mm-hmm. I thought this was, am I thinking of a different one that this, I thought this was on Twilight Time on Blu-ray. Am I, am I incorrect? I think it is on, on Twilight Time, but I don't know if it's in print currently. That's what it's not. It's out. It yeah. It's out okay. of it's so that, print. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Okay. But hopefully it'll be back. Love to see a 4K of it. What are we talking about? It's got to be 1978's The Driver. 20th Century Fox presents Two Men on Opposite Sides of the Law. Ryan O'Neill. Bruce Dern. And between them, Isabella Johnny. Three loners playing a ruthless game none of them could afford to lose. In The Driver. Ryan O'Neill is the driver. My line of work is kind of hard to come by. His reputation, the best wheelman in the city. Did you ever get caught on one of your jobs? Hasn't happened yet. Bruce Dern is the detective. I'm very good at what I do. His reputation, the toughest cop in the city. You saw the man who was driving the car, yet you didn't identify him. Do you got a reason? I just don't like you. Now you get out of my town, because you go out on one more job, and I'm gonna nail you. You might be getting too big. Two men, driven by their need to prove they were the best. How are you gonna get downstairs? Sounds like you got a problem. I'm much better at this game than you are. You win, you make some money. I win. You're going to do 15 years. To them, the money, the law, even their lives no longer counted. You don't care about the money. Might even send it to him. Who was best was all that mattered. We've got the winning run on first. You've been set up yet. To break the cop, the driver was willing to risk it all. To break the driver, the cop was willing to break the law. Boy, I applaud! It'll cost you two years. Ryan O'Neill, Bruce Dern, Isabella Johnny, the driver. A ruthless game between two legends. Broom, broom, Dan. We got Walter Hill, Ryan O'Neill, Bruce Dern. What more could a person want? I'm so psyched. I think I'm going to be able to bring it for this episode. This is a first watch for me, actually. Love it. This is our second first watch of the Neo-Noir members. Mm-hmm. We, did good. we did good with Mona Lisa. I think this one's going to be even further out of the park. There's just This one's a sure thing. I'm not worried about it. If Dan doesn't like it, then I'm sorry we just canceled the podcast. But 
I think we just renewed it for six more years because you're going to love this one. I think I will. 70s car chases are in it. I know that much. And, and that, that, that alone will, will get me in it. So fish in a goddamn barrel. And there's so yeah. many of that alones when you're just like, Hey, wait, I got like 70 that alones. This must be a great film. Yeah. I got seven, 1978. Great. That alones. Mm-hmm. Check it out. Vroom vroom. I can't wait for everyone to see it. In the meantime, though, thank you for joining us for another episode. Thank you for stealing jewels with us. Mm-hmm. Because we also stole your time. See, Dan, we are thieves. We are criminals. Time thieves. Time thieves. Time uh, bandits, if you will. Sure. There you go. They're <laughs> crime bandits. <laughs> well, Dan, here's the time crime. Here's the time crime. Ridding. <laughs> <laughs>